2: The story. When I look back at it, it's no one else's fault. It's something that I just didn't know how to deal with, how to cope. I had no life skills, no coping skills, no parenting skills. I just became very hurt and broken, and I became more lost. So I did a lot more drugs and lost my way. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome
0: to The Story. Well, Netspari ran away from home when he was 15 years old and was homeless on and off for the next 10 years of his life. Also, he found that taking drugs helped him manage his deep anxieties. But, miraculously, God transformed his life to the point that he is now the coordinator of a soup kitchen, just like the one he used to eat at when he was a homeless person. Also, once a year, Nat goes back to live on the streets to raise awareness of homelessness. We'll hear Nat Spari's remarkable story today as he shares how he's gone from messed up to making a difference. Nat's having a chat with Michelle Smick.
1: Hi, Nat. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Thanks, Michelle, for having me.
1: My pleasure. You've got a lot going on at the moment. You've got a homeless week coming up, which you're very involved in, as well as a few other endeavours that you run.
2: Yeah, I, I raise awareness in our community about the homelessness issues and also I raise vital funds for our soup kitchen. So, I go homeless for a week and this is my ninth year.
1: So, was nine years ago the first time you did homelessness for a week? That wasn't your first experience with homelessness?
2: No, it wasn't. When I was 15, I, I ran away from home and um, I started making when I was 12 years old and I just felt, hey, I, I wanted out of the, my family. So, I ran away from home and And I slept under a bridge. And I suppose that for the next 10 years of my life, I was just in and out of homelessness. And, you know, I was your typical street kid, getting into trouble, hanging out with other street kids. They became my friends, the people that I hanged out with. I really felt there was some times where I felt really broken and there was times that I had a lot of fun hanging out with a lot of street kids on the streets. But those times that I really wanted help, I, I really felt ignored. I really felt rejected and I really felt invisible, and that's why I do the sleep out every year because I want to make it visible. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, I remember sleeping under a bridge the first time, but there was a couple of young Christians, like missionaries to that area, and they would bring down like um, hot chip rolls, and they would make us sandwiches. And, you know, at the time I didn't understand why they did that, and of course, you'd meet the opposite. You know, you meet religion where people were, ah, blame you for things or um, just really harsh. And as a young person, it didn't affect me. It wasn't something that I carried. But yeah, you just felt that. Well, you know, I'm rejected and ignored and invisible. And and so yeah, I moved around a little bit. Mm. And and so that's I, I've, you know, been a street kid for all those teenage life. My life and uh, most of it, yeah.
1: So, do you know what happened to those people who helped you, the missionaries?
2: Have no idea.
1: What kind of impact was that? Sitting under the bridge at night, and you've and just to have someone come in, like, what was the real impact in that?
2: Oh, well, I look at it now, and I'm like, hey, that stopped us from doing crime. Okay. And I suppose that um, I could have got into more serious trouble. I I got in trouble a lot. But um, it even takes me to the days that I used to eat in the basement drop-in center. So I would eat in the basement drop-in center. They were open five days a week, and they gave out free food. So I would I would eat there. And by then I was a lot older, mm-hmm. but, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. <laughs> can't believe I ate there so many years. It's, again, like people cared. And, you know, that little saying, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I wasn't a Christian then. I treated people probably not nice at times, and it depends on what influence I was under because I, I became very addicted to drugs. Um, I was using whatever I could get to, you know, escape.
1: Mm-hmm. Is drugs a huge issue with homelessness? Is it one and the same thing or...?
2: you know that's what addiction does it takes it takes you away from your family it takes you away from your good friends or the people that you associate with people that are criminals and stuff like that so yeah I um I probably got isolated a lot from the community yeah um I never really went to a shop or I it, it got that season in my life where I I really didn't do anything else but took drugs in from one house to another house, so one drug house to another drug house, and that's how I lived my life for many years. And I went to this little basement drop-in centre where they fed you meat and cheese jaffles or a pie or something, and and sometimes that was my only feed. So I lost a lot of weight sometimes, but it wasn't my rock bottom, and uh, I lived like that for a long time.
1: Okay, so what was your rock bottom?
2: I, I had a, re- I got into a relationship and had a child, and and um, you know I didn't know how to handle relationships. I was always in and out of relationships, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I didn't know where uh, my child was at, at a certain time mm-hmm. in my being a father. I had no idea how to be that either, and I suppose that um, when I look back at it, it's no one else's fault. It's something that. I just didn't know how to deal with, how to cope, yep. anything like that. So I had no life skills, no coping skills, no parenting skills. And, um, yeah, so I just became very hurt and broken and uh, I, I became more lost. So I, I did a lot more drugs and to escape and just lost my way and even cut off everybody then. I became very depressed and and just lost my way.
1: And how did you come out of that? I mean, there would have been a, a few options, but where did you turn?
2: I actually turned to my mother. I I, I gave her a call. I, I lost contact with my family for many, many years, and it must have been so heartbreaking for uh, you know my family to not know where I was or anything like that. We lived in a different state. But um, my mum was attending church, and so was my brother. And I thought, hey, nah, they're all just crazy. That's that's not for me. And I decided to go to a night service with them. But I really went there to, you know, see if I could get some money from them because that's what I'm used to.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, you know, I went in there to get some beer to church, and I came out as a pastor. That's just a short. <laughs> way of saying it
1: there's a long journey between there's a long those, journey in between, between, between it two.
2: all but um yeah uh god i i really felt you know god was just pulling my heart the whole time like a tug of war thing hey and i had this experience and god was real and i just really felt that all my burdens had been lifted off and um but i still lived in toowoomba mm-hmm. so i traveled to new south wales it was a little country church called Orange and so I traveled all the way back to Toowoomba and I had no connections with any church family because it was it was just a short visit and I suppose that it wasn't till months and months later I found somewhere where I could be I wouldn't know how the what the word was but I would say a committed community that were committed to me mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I started that journey of, you know, Jesus was real.
1: Yes.
2: Um, his death on the cross was real. Yeah. But I had no idea of following Jesus. I was trying to pray. I finally found a church that I connected with. And I suppose the people in the church, like, it really spoke to me when I turned up and I didn't want to be there because I just drunk a couple of toilies. Or, and I was still smoke in marijuana um, they just said hey we're so glad that you're here mm-hmm. and I started hanging out with a group of men that were just so um, non-judgmental and they listened to you know some of the stuff that was happening in my life and I suppose yeah I went along that journey with them
1: so that's the start of the journey from beer to pasta mm-hmm. so that that's
2: well, I'm a pastor now, so yeah, been um, leading a church now for a, a number of years.
1: Okay, so did you find a committed community in Toowoomba, or was it just in Orange that you kept travelling?
2: No, no, in Toowoomba, and um, so yeah, I went to church every Sunday. I think the first thing I did was I brought a pair of shoes. I yeah, I know that's crazy. I went to Target and I got, you know, I was on the dole, so I'd, I'd never worked. I it was just I had nowhere to live. I brought a pair of shoes from Kmart for $20 because I was a little bit embarrassed, but so I felt like I could go to church, like with shoes on. And, um, it was the pastor's son that was reaching out to me and bringing me the church. So he used to come around and knock on my door and say, Hey, you coming to church? Or are you coming to youth group? Or, you know, I, there's this new Christian meeting called Alpha. Would you like to come along? I, I could pick mm-hmm. you up for that. And I suppose that um, over time, my circumstances didn't change, mm-hmm. but I started having a faith in Jesus. And, you know, I struggled. I still struggled. I, I struggled to, is God real? Or did I? I struggled like, hey, I don't know how to read the Bible really. I'm not a reader. I've never really read the Bible. A tour. Mm-hmm. But when I started reading the book of Matthew and then I started in Mark, I'm like, hang on, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's, the, the chapters are the same. And anyway, um, I went on this Holy Spirit camp and that's when everything changed. I wasn't going to go, but I um, used drugs before I went okay. and went on this camp. And that's when I started a relationship with Jesus.
1: So what was the time frame between walking into that church and to the Holy Spirit camp? What's the time frame between there?
2: I would say a good 6 months. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: So not that long really.
2: <laughs> no. I God was like I just had that experience and it was and God was starting to stir my heart all the time about you know, I would be asking questions like why am I here? What is life all about? Why does everything keep on happening to me. Why is my life getting worse? And um, so I gave my life to Jesus and that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh, big questions. The big questions. And uh, I was couch surfing and just living wherever I could. Yeah. And I, I suppose that, you know, the journey, even though I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I started a relationship with Jesus and it was real because I started reading the Bible. And I couldn't stop telling people about God. And that's, I look back, and I really believe that helped me to become more of a follower where I I was sharing my faith. Yes. Um, I think that's a really good thing to do. Yep. And do it the right way too. Well, there's, what I mean by that, I I didn't preach on the street corner or anything, and people can be called to do that. But I suppose that all my life I didn't look anyone in the eye. And then I discovered that I I made the image of God because there was a time where, you know, the enemy just took from me so much that I didn't even have an identity. I didn't even have ID because I burned all my ID when I was like 17 years old and no one knew my name. And I lived like that for many years. And I suppose that, you know, God made me where I really believed in the whole theory of survival of the fittest and and I suppose that the journey that God took me on, I had a lot of fears. Like I had I was fully full of fears, like mm. and hurts and brokenness. So I couldn't even share around the table. Um even to in a meeting that with Christians, I was just so unable to, you know, speak out because I'd be so afraid. I suppose that it took a long time, Um, I would say a good 10, 15 years until I got over a lot of the fears that that was happening in my life.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Michelle Smick is chatting with Nat Spari, who's sharing his life journey and how he's gone from homelessness to being a pastor and helping others. We'll hear more of Nat's story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Michelle Smick chatting with Nat Spary, who's sharing his life journey with us. Before the break, we heard how Nat went from being homeless and struggling with drug addiction to eventually becoming a Christian and finding a stable home. Next, we'll hear more of Nat's story and how he goes on to become involved in ministry to marginalised people and bringing awareness to homelessness.
1: So tell me that experience about looking someone in the eye for the first time. I mean, for me and probably a lot of people listening, it's not something that we really think about. But if you've grown up not having an identity and not having that safe place to to discover who you are, mm-hmm. I mean, that must have been such a milestone.
2: Yeah. Well, I used to walk, when I walked down the street and I saw someone walking on the same side, I used to just cross over. So I'd never had to face anyone. And I suppose that, you know, I, everything that I used to say I thought was wrong and so I never used to say anything. I used to get, like, have anxiety and get all nervous. And and I suppose that, you know, God's helped me overcome that. But, you know, people would love to hear the story that how I gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, I stopped smoking pot straight away. I, I didn't get depressed anymore. You know, I was straight out of homelessness because everyone gave me a house or, or all my fears went. But... I suppose that, yeah, even to this day, I still struggle, not with addiction, um, but, you know, public speaking, even though I do a lot of it, I really got to say to God, hey, God, help me through this.
1: But I think that's life, isn't it? If God just pulled us out of, of where we were then, mm. and, and solved everything for us, there'd be no accountability. There'd be no, you know, what would we do for the rest of the life? And, I mean, God's plan is perfect, And so I I believe that if he did that, he wouldn't be doing a second shot or this homelessness for the week or have the passion that you do right now.
2: Yeah, like uh, we run a soup kitchen. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's another thing that we do. Based services,
1: yeah.
2: But, hey, um, God met me when I was so messed up. And, you know, I always thought maybe during that period of time that I had to get my life fixed up.
1: Mm Mm-hmm
2: and be perfect to have a relationship with Jesus. But it's not true. No. You know, and i tell you that still today that I still have to overcome a lot of things, like, you know, the, running an organization or employing people or just, yeah, when I got saved and then I started to be discipled and had a relationship with Jesus, um, I got married and i got a couple of kids now. So life is just full of challenges full stop. Hey but you know one of the things that means a lot to me is a psalm and I know that it's just a common psalm where psalm 23 and you see that everywhere you see it on a fridge or a poster or you know but just that's where where it tells us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and and that's, that's it. You know, God walks us through things.
1: Yeah. And our when,
2: struggles. Yeah.
1: That's right. And fear no evil. Yeah. For it is God who who guides us with yeah. his rod and his staff.
2: 100%. And so you don't camp there. You don't stay there. You don't make friends there. I really believe, hey, God brings you through things. And, and that's, I believe in God. I believe that God will, no matter what happens if you, you know, your church building burns down or something like that, because they're, they're the experiences that I've had, um, God gets you through it. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're called to endure. And I suppose that that's something that God's put on in my spirit that, you know, we are called to do hard things and, you know, having teenagers can be hard times. Um, I've got three of them. And so I just know that, hey, God calls us yeah. and and, and the work that I'm doing now with um, Homeless Youth, he calls us to do hard things.
1: I'd love to know a little bit more about the camp that you went on where the Holy Spirit was revealed to you. Okay. So you went there, you had trouble dealing with it or was not ready to deal with it, so you are on drugs before you went. Is that correct?
2: Well, they kept on saying, hey, you've got to come on this Holy Spirit camp. It's leading up to all our Bible teaching and I'm like, are they weird or do they dance around a fire or with a white gown on or something? Okay. Anyway, I just tripped out a little bit. And, yeah, I, sh- I I was shooting up at the time and I couldn't get onto drugs at the time. So it was a bit of a, should I go or should I not go? And I actually went on this camp and they shared about how does God guide and they shared about what does the Holy Spirit do? And the, the preacher, the the guy that was sharing kept on sharing about Samson, you know, like this. Is, I, I remember the stories, just how Samson, um, you know, he was tied and bound by the enemy. And, and when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he broke free. Mm-hmm. And then Gideon, you know, he was hiding and full of fear. And I'm like, that's me, that's <laughs> me. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and he became a warrior and. And that's what I remember. Those, there's, there's just that simple, like that. And I went, "Hey, I need this Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I gave my heart to God, and and there's things that I don't believe what people are saying sometimes. And um, but hey, I need this Holy Spirit, and and it came to the night, and it was just, I think it was an open space, on a property, and. The people that were there that were just like me we used to all run out for a ciggy after the talks and that was our small group really they didn't know that we had to go to a small group after it but really that's when we talked about you know the the, the unique- topics yeah or you know what they shared about and we all ran out the front and we were all were filled and 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 god i started a relationship that's that's the, the highlight that I couldn't stop speaking about God. I couldn't stop reading the Bible. And I was just so attracted to everything about God. Like if I saw a church door open, I'd walk in there and see what they were doing. And it could be worship practice or the elders having a meeting. And um, yeah, so I went to church. I, I couldn't get enough. Yep. And I just fell in love with Jesus. And it just really changed my life. And And I, I didn't do drugs anymore. I felt the depression got better. Um, I didn't realize when, like, years and years and years and years later, you go to the hospital and they ask, have you ever been here before? And I'm like, no, no. Um, And they pull out your file and they show all the times that you've overdosed on drugs or you've been up for depression and and stuff like that. So, hey, God really takes that life away Mm -hmm. and gives you a new one.
1: And now you're stepping in there and, and being that, that person for other people so that they can step up and, and find Jesus and, and let go of that old life.
2: hundred percent. And, I, and um, the work that I do, um, you know, I help people. I give them a job. I, I find them accommodation because I want to see people exit homelessness, mm-hmm. and that's one of the ways that we do it. And, um, you know, not all of them come to Jesus for our Second Shot program, but a lot of them do.
1: That's great. So many different things that you're doing to really inspire the community. You've supported already 87 people to exit homelessness through your soup kitchen and Second Shot.
2: Through the Second Shot program, which we started in 2016, just at the end of that year. And yeah, that's that's my passion. And we do that, like I said, through giving them full-time employment and we help them get into accommodation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So at the end of the traineeship, I always say that they're. They're healthy in house. Nice. And um, we're really believing they're going to be in God's house.
1: Yeah, Bring them into that safe house where they're under God's protection. That's it. Thank you, Nat Spari, for your time. And very interesting story. Thanks for sharing it and encouraging everyone in your faith journey.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: That was Michelle Smick chatting with pastor and basement soup kitchen coordinator, Nat Spari. As we've heard, Nat underwent a tremendous transformation and is now helping people who are living in rough conditions similar to the one he once lived. Specifically, one of the things Nat does each year to bring awareness to homelessness is to live on the streets for a week. Nat does this to raise funds for the basement soup kitchen where he serves. His aim is to provide assistance and support to people experiencing or at risk of homelessness. To find out more, you can visit Nat's website. It's homelessforaweek.com. Dot com dot au. Once again, that's homelessforaweek.com.au. Finally, if you're listening today and can relate to Nat's story and you'd like someone to pray with you, our prayer line is 1 800 Pray For Me. That's 1 800 772 936. That number again, 1 800 772 936. Well, thanks for joining us for Nat Sparry's inspiring story and how he's gone from messed up to making a difference. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: About 10 years ago, I was sitting in a food court with my two young boys and they observed a gentleman going around to the tables and taking the food that people had left there. And my youngest son, who would have been 14 at the time, got up, got his meal, and took it over to the gentleman. He came back and I said, oh, that was lovely, mate. And I offered to buy him a meal and he he said to me, that gentleman was going to go without a meal so I can go without a meal.
0: Even though Gitta Clayton and Phil Belai though, have been on completely different life journeys, they both have a heart for helping marginalised people and both serve at the Winter Shelter Program for Homeless People. Gitta is the director and Phil is a volunteer. We'll hear their stories next time. The story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks
1: for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.